0: grassroots, www.innovationstudios.com. Now I say that every single week you're listening to grassroots, but you know you're listening to grassroots because you clicked on it. And may you continue to click on it. Um, it's lovely to be back. It's been a exciting week uh, for me personally. It's been um, Monday night. I performed uh, my first facebook live streamed show which i've never done before and i've been part of it before with um an old friend of mine dorian at um, thames delta music services um we used to used to um and they're still on um i think they're still on youtube under the grassroots uk channel some of my performances there um i've never actually set up myself and performed live from my own studio so that was fun and um when it first happened i was a you know the the lockdown first happened i was i was like oh, i don't need to perform Look, i'm going to take a break from it i'm going to step away from it and and you know because it was nice to have a break after at that time you know 29 years and um and 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 you sort of think well you know i've got i've got nothing to prove to myself i've done all right i've had a good career i'm happy with everything and um i don't need to perform you know, I don't need to, to perform. And I I'd watch people on there every Saturday night. i got nowhere else to play, so I'm going to be on here. And I was just thinking, I don't need to do that. But, you know, good luck to you if you wanted to do that, if you felt, you know, you wanted to scratch that itch and whatever. And it is a good thing to do. But as as we've kind of worked towards the end of the lockdown, I've looked at it and I thought, um, I need to start getting myself ready because I've sat around for too long, really, and, and not really pushed and worked as hard as I could and kept myself in the game so although I've performed a few shows here and there as as the lockdown rules were eased a bit you know in in uh, October November December um I've I haven't really um performed in front of a quote unquote audience although I've been rehearsing I've been rehearsing two or three times a week playing through because I needed to rework and go back to basics um I've been walking every day. I've been doing two walks a day, you know, up to sort of four, four or five, six miles a day, trying to um, first of all get some weight off, but secondly get the breathing back because, you know, I'm looking forward to it. go back to the first grassroots podcast, the first Q and A. I bet I sound really breathless, and I don't, um, I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> um, I tend to get breathless when I get on a rant, though, so it depends. We'll see if any of the questions um, bring uh, bring me out in a rant today. Um, but, no, um, it, it was a nice thing to do. And I got some nice comments, and, and I will do it again. And it was it was nice. It was a strange thing because everybody um, watching gets the same experience. And, and that doesn't happen live in a pub because everybody's sat in a different place in the venue. And everybody's kind of – you might have a conversation halfway through one or two songs, or you might go to the bar, or you might go to the toilet, or do whatever. And um, with this, everybody got the same experience they were sat in the same place in the venue almost with the same view of me with the same sound um and uh but it was fun and i and i kind of just did what i do and i I only did an hour because people get sick of me after about an hour um and yeah i'm going to do it again and i want to say thank you a special thank you to kelly knight who uh, i did it through her page kelly knight's lockdown singers and she's promoting that and um Kelly, I, I, I've been introduced to Kelly recently just a few weeks ago and um, she she mentioned it to me and I said, yeah, I, I don't know if I'll do that and I looked into it and I thought, yeah, I'll give it a go so it was fun um, and uh, yeah, I had to kind of uh, get my performance done and out the way because obviously the, the whole nation would have been glued to the TV when I finished to see what was happening uh, with the Oprah interview Ooh. it's been a busy week politically, but look, I ain't here to talk about politics, okay I'm here to talk about music. But it's been an exciting week. It was nice to prepare. It was nice to get myself ready. And it was nice, actually, the next day to sit and watch some of my performance back. I don't watch myself much, but to watch some of it back with a cup of tea the next day and say, yeah, that came out well. I sounded good. I felt good. Um, And it was nice. If you haven't seen it, you can find it on um, Facebook under Kelly Knight's Lockdown Singers. Or you can um, inbox me and I'll send you the link, you know, if you're that. You know, if you're that desperate to see one of my gigs, then go. You know, go and go and find it. But um, blimey, we're four and a half minutes in. I haven't answered a question yet. So here's the first one: Derek from Whittam. Hello, Derek. How are you, mate? Hi, Marcus. What is your most embarrassing moment? Um. Yeah. Well, I don't have the uh, uh, as yet touch wood, and I, I'm just going to touch wood very quickly. Um. I don't really have anything that's, I mean, I did fall down the stairs once at um, a place called the New, I think it was called the the New Romney Club or something like that. And I I finished the set and then said, thanks very much for listening and walked off and promptly fell down the stairs. But it wasn't like a Sonic the Hedgehog job. I just lost my footing and, and luckily sort of fell and rolled into the changing room at the bottom. But I made a hole in my jeans. So when I went back on again, I had a big hole in the... And, of course, my mate, Ken, who was working with me, was very, very sympathetic um, and uh, very, very helpful. As I was rolling around on the floor in some amount of pain because my ankle had gone, he was rolling around on the floor, peeing himself, laughing, um, at the fact that I just, in his words, stacked it, which actually is probably, if I'm honest with you, my favourite expression ever. I love that expression, stacked it. Um, yeah, so fell off the stage there. I think another, another example was, um, we were booked to play a show at, um, a place called the Hunter's Meet, which I think is in Harlow. Um, and it was our job to play two sets, um, one at eight o'clock and one at uh, 10 o'clock. And then in the middle, there was a comedian on who did the nine till 10 slot and we had to introduce him and, it, I, and uh, we were playing and, and um, all of a sudden we finished off and it was my job to introduce the comedian and nobody had told me who it was and nobody had told me and I hadn't clocked any posters so I had to introduce the comedian and it was the one night that year that I didn't have the wireless microphone where I could have had a walk over and had a quick look at the notice board um, so I started flanneling Saying you know we've got uh, we've got a surprise for you now, and I'm thinking please there must that somebody must know maybe someone's going to come up and go, um and I'm saying uh, and he's a good friend of ours we've worked together on cruises and we're looking forward to seeing his his show and I'm trying to buy time, and out of the corner of my eye, I see uh, a poster on the wall, and it was just right in the distance and I couldn't quite make it out, but. Um, it was uh, the gentleman was called uh, Maxi Mann, Who, if if he's out there, and if anybody knows of him, um, first of all we we thought that your set was great, um, and secondly the Eric Morecambe impression that you did was bang on, and, and uh, we were looking at each other going, "Wow, he's got that," um, but I couldn't read it, so I just introduced him as Macky Man because I could just about make it out, and I it was one of those things I just hoped that I got the right one, and on I had so I got lucky, but I was just flanneling Derek. You know, and I'm standing there and a torrent of thoughts what is his name? Who is he? What what nobody's told me. Did he mention it earlier? Did did uh, Brendan, who owned the, the venue, did he tell me it? Have I got it written down? I'm going through my papers and I didn't have a clue. And I'm standing there and, and all of a sudden just saw the poster right in the in the distance. Um and I just went for that. Because I thought, Well look, he's a comedian. If I introduce him as the wrong person, he'll say you wind up or we make a joke of it. So I felt that he could get himself out of it, but that was quite embarrassing. I don't have any stories of falling over or or um, anything like that. Probably starting a song without the capo on and then the rest of the band kicking in and we all look at each other and I sort of go, hang on a minute, you know, things like that. But I think the one that made me panic the most was that, just literally, oh, oh what is this man? What's this gentleman's name? I can't remember his name. Um, so I flannelled. And, uh, my God, did I flannel. Uh, Gary Ayers. Hello, Gaz. How are you, mate? He's a good friend of mine, Gary. Uh, he sent me a lovely email the other night. We've not seen each other for a good while. But he asked me a brilliant question, so I thought I'd include it. And he says, hi, Marky. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> um, I always enjoyed watching other bands and acts we've played with at gigs over the years. And we've had the pleasure to see some really good bands during our time. My question for you is, who were the most enjoyable and unique acts you have seen whilst performing on the circuit? Um, Hope you're keeping well. Look forward to gigging with you again soon. Um, Yeah, I I had to go and do a bit of research on this one, Gaz. um, Because, obviously, on the cabaret circuit, I've worked with lots of comedians and lots of people. uh, um, Ken and I worked with a fire eater um, in a place that had an exceptionally low roof. And um, this guy was, as, as it happens, he was great. Um, but uh, his name escapes me, unfortunately. But We worked with him in uh, the Isle of Sheppey, uh, sort of minster way. Um, and he was great. But um, we also, there, there. I narrowed it down, Gary, because you sent me this question last week and uh, I didn't want to answer it straight away. So I've been doing some thinking and I narrowed it down to two. Um the first one was uh a band that we worked with um in Manchester at a venue called The Night and Day. And um we worked at the Night and Day in Manchester and there was a, a band on before us and they were from bearing in mind we'd driven all the way to uh Manchester, this band were from Walthamstow. so we could have got a lift with them. Um and we did it on a showcase, I think it might have been a Thursday night. And they were called Imperial Leisure. And they were like, I would say rap, but that probably probably would be disrespectful to them. But they were rapping, it's just the music behind it was quite heavy. So uh, quite they were quite a heavy rock band, but they, they had so many influences. And um, they had, I don't know if anybody remembers, I'm probably the only one who listens to this that's old enough, <laughs> but um, there used to be a game called Ready to Rumble. It was on the Dreamcast, it was on PlayStation, and there was a character called Afro Thunder, and he was uh, one of the boxers, and one of the gentlemen looked like him, and, and he was dressed as a boxer. And he came out with the robe on and and the gloves on and, and uh, the microphone and started rapping. And then another gentleman came out who was supposed to be his opponent from the other side of the stage in a different pair of shorts and robe and uh, gloves and stuff that he started rapping and then there was a referee in the middle came out this little guy dressed as a ref with the bow tie on who was splitting them up and he was rapping as well and I just remember thinking it was really great and and I tried to get in touch with him a few times um subsequently and I, I got some nice uh, correspondence with them for a while and then I don't know what happened to them so if anybody knows of them or remembers them or came across them, let me know because they were really, it was really different. I mean, we, we were trying to set up and bearing in mind, we're trying to set everything up, and then all of a sudden, in, in comes this seven piece band with decks and uh, mini discs and f- five microphones and guitar, and we're thinking, wow, how are you going to get off the stage in time? And they went on before us. But they were so great that in the end, we didn't want to go on, we wanted them to do another half an hour. Um, so Imperial Leisure was one of the best that I saw. But I've but at the back of my mind, I suddenly remembered, Gary, um, that when we headlined, um, when I say headlined, the headline slot at the Basildon Festival, was, it's a bit like Glastonbury. It's not the headline slot. It's the tea time slot, if you like. But Walter Wall had played it in, I think, two, it would have been 99 Nineteen ninety nine, two thousand, and it would have been at Wat Tyler Park, and we'd finished, and we, of course, we hung around afterwards. Yeah, giving it Mr. Billy Big Shot for a while. Um, you know, yeah, you might recognise me. I was the guy on stage, you know. Um, and um, no, we didn't. We just stood and had a beer in the tent. But this this um, act went on after us, and they were called Weapons of Sound, and we're set in standing there watching everybody, watching them set up, and they were bringing out shopping trolleys and like carpet tubes, you know, the big tube that comes out in the middle of your roll of carpet cut to different lengths. And then the guy was hitting them with um, like a, uh, I would say a hammer, but it's not, it's one of those fluffy things you hit a big bass drum with, you know, he's hitting them to get the bass notes. And if anybody's ever seen stomp, it's that, it was that kind of thing. But this was probably a few years before, that this this is probably going back 20 22 years um i might be probably probably completely and utterly wrong with that but whatever it was they they played uh dance music and it was all done with um you know with with props and uh there was there wasn't an instrument in sight it was all done with uh you know Cut down carpet tubes and and shopping trolleys, which were acting as like symbols, and they were opening and closing the child seat to get a big crash symbol. And it, how the sound guy miked it up, I have no idea. But it sounded amazing, and we stood there and went, "Yeah, that's that's a bit tasty." You know, we we really enjoyed um, the show. So, I would say my choice would be Weapons of Sound, just because it was so unusual. And so different. But Imperial Leisure, I don't think I'll ever forget. I thought it was a brilliant show. Um, and if if any of them do listen to this, or if anybody knows of them and can direct them to this, I would love to meet you guys again um, and to talk to you about your show. Uh, and I'm sure it's probably changed since. Uh, hopefully you've got uh, over 20. In uh, I think we worked with you in 2006. So in the last 15 years... Um, I'm hoping that you've been doing other things and creating some more music. And if you have, it'd be lovely to meet you and to to see you. But in the meantime, I'll give you a shout-out. Weapons of Sound, if anybody remembers them or knows them, get them to email me because I want to talk to them about that. That was really, really great. Weapons of Sound, Gary, for me. But Imperial Leisure, I'm with you, son. It was one hell of a show and I really enjoyed it. It's hard to go on and follow a band like that and know they were, you know, that you really enjoyed them and you've got to go and follow them. But um, I think we, we followed them okay. We did a good job that night. And uh, lovely to hear from you, Gaz. And uh, love you, love you too. Love to Amy and everybody, and uh, your mum and dad and everyone. And I'll catch you soon. Need help setting up your own home studio? Why not book a consultation online? Here at Innovation Studios, we can help and advise on the best equipment for you your ideas, your budget, and your space. Maybe even book a home visit. We can help you set up, install, and use your software, offering a recording workshop in your very own studio in your very own home, going through techniques and offering advice and guidance to get you up and running. Go to www.innovationstudios.com for further information. Mason in Belvedere. Hello, Mason. Hi, Marcus. Quick question for you. Why is it that sometimes, even though I am in standard tuning, I play along with something and I can't find the pitch? It seems to be somewhere between the frets. Have you heard of this and what can I do to change it? I've come across this, Mason. Yeah, I have, mate. When I've been teaching, when I've been working with various students... Over the years, particularly the bands that like to experiment, so we're talking the Beatles and stuff like that. No, now it's no, it's no secret to those around me that, and I'm no expert, but that I am a bit of an encyclopedia on the Beatles. I re- I've read about them. I've got um, what I consider to be the greatest book ever written, and that's the Beatles' Complete Abbey Road Sessions. Um, where they, they take you through every session that the Beatles ever recorded, what they recorded, how they recorded it, you know, how things were mic'd at times and, and techniques they used. And i tell you what, I, I absolutely fell in love with that book 25 years ago and whenever whenever I've lost it, I've immediately replaced it because I can pick it up anywhere. You can read about their sessions and stuff like that and I, I thoroughly recommend it. Um, it's Anybody that wants to get into it because... Uh, they they would experiment with things, and, and on many occasions, Mason, on many occasions, the Beatles would record a track really, really fast, and then slow it down, so that the guitars would have a slightly different texture to them. So they weren't D C. it wasn't completely and utterly standard tuning across the board, go to work, you know, come off at half past ten, um... The Beatles were always experimenting. They would use things like Leslie speakers, which was a revolving speaker inside a, a keyboard, um, like a Leslie, Leslie organ, and they plug guitars into it and get a revolving sound from the guitars. They would mic their guitars in a different way. There, there are stories of John Lennon hanging from the ceiling. There are stories of John laying on his back. There are stories just to try and get a different vocal sound. And um, there's... Um, they would play the sometimes play the track really really fast um so a ballad or something they would rush through it as quickly as they could and then slow it down to the pace that they wanted, and vice versa they would sometimes play a quick song slowly and then speed it up um now, I'm assuming that when they did this, they would um probably capo it or play it in a higher key and then slow it down for it because obviously back then. You didn't have the technology. Bearing in mind that all the Beatles stuff was recorded on four tracks, so that is outrageous, what they were able to do with with, with four tracks. It's just outrageous. Um, so anybody that ever says, oh, the, the quality's not that great with the Beatles recordings and stuff like that, it's, no, it isn't. But, you know, when you get deeper into it and you realise what those guys did, and Jules Martin and Jeffrey Emmerich, who was the um, engineer... What they were able to do with four tracks, record the drums, bounce them down onto one track, uh, free the other three tracks up, record the bass, bounce that and the drums together, which, which left you three tracks, put a guitar on, mix that with the drums and the bass and the guitar all on one track, which gave you three more tracks to play about with, stick the other guitar in, mix that down, so you had, you know, so you had like on one track, you had the whole instrument, and then you'd stick a vocal on. At um, the backing vocal and the main vocal, maybe a solo in the middle of it. And it had all of these instruments on there by bouncing it around. And anybody that's old enough to remember, in the very, very early stages, I will come back to your point, Mason, by the way, but I, as, as as is my want, i get on a rant now and again. There used to be a thing, um, Tascam brought out a Porter Studio, O2. And they brought it out about 1990, 1991. And it was a cassette um and i know probably people are sort of under the age of 20 going what's a cassette you know because things have changed um but this was a cassette based and you put a cassette in and you could record two tracks uh, you could record four tracks on but you could only use one side of the cassette because it used to use kind of uh both both sides of the cassette it's all very very technical and if you want to know more about it go go on google but um you could get four tracks and if you had a 45-minute cassette, you could get 45 minutes of recording and overdub thing. I mean, it was a revelation for me, you know, for somebody to sort of say, here's something, and you can play the song all the way through, and then you can stick um, something else on it, something else on it. And, it. and you were able to bounce tracks over. So I was able to do, um, you know, put a drum track on there, maybe a drum machine, put a bass on there, put a guitar on there, and then mix those three things down to one track and then add things. Um, and although listening back to the recordings years later, you think, my God, what's that? You know, when, when you're 17 years old, it was like Abbey Road in my bedroom. Wow, I can create my own music, which subsequently I never actually did for another 25 years until the Matching album came out. But uh, I'd been involved in original music; it's just I didn't necessarily have a lot of my own. Um, but um, so what? What they used to do, the Beatles, was to record the track really, really fast and then slow it down, or sometimes they would slow it down. Um, you know, to, to the point where they would slow it down where they wanted it, but it was between the frets. So it was kind of like quarter of a tone, if you like, because cause frets on a guitar or keys on a piano are semitones um, or a step or, you know, a half a step, if you like. Um, and the Beatles would kind of slow it down and they'd end up somewhere between the two. Now I found a few songs that this happens on. Um, this happens on The Air That I Breathe by The Hollies. I've come across it on that. I've come across it on um a couple of the songs by uh the band that recorded Hotel California who are so funny about mentioning them that you, you can't even mention them anywhere, but there's a few of their tracks. Um and the Beatles many, many times um yeah, I've I've on a few of their songs, particularly later ones, things like Across the Universe, stuff like that. It is between the between the frets. Um, now, what I do to get around that, Mason, as I was saying, they didn't have the technology then, so they would have had to play it in a higher key and then slow it down. These days, you can affect the speed of something without affecting the pitch. Now, that's where um, programs like a VLC Media Player and audacity which i'll tell you what audacity is is absolutely the best thing as a matter of fact as i talk to you now i'm recording it onto audacity because it's plug in record it do it send it out done um but on audacity you can open it as let's say an mp3 or a wav file or whatever open it up and then in there under effect you can change the pitch of it Um, without affecting the speed or anything like that. So under effects, you can click on it and and, uh, do pitch. And if you do that, you have to tweak it a little bit, but sometimes if you tweak it by sort of, I don't know, 25% or something like that, you can put it back in tune with your guitar. Now, it sounds like a very, very long process, but the good thing about that is once you've done that and you've tweaked it and you've got it in the right pitch so you can play along with it, you can save it to MP3. And then any time you play along with it, it will stay um, in that key. So, you know, anything that you're playing along with is is handy. But yeah, I've I've come across that a few times, Mason, and it and it is annoying, um, especially when you're trying to work something out, because of course when you go online um, to to look at these things, people are sort of uh, put put helpful things on YouTube and and uh, Google, and it'll be this is the key and this is how it was played. You get, I know it was played like that, but. You know, it's like when you look at Wonderwall and it says F-sharp minor, minor. It's not F-sharp minor. It's capo-two and E minor, you know, with the with the sus shape on there. Um, but they're giving you, like, the proper chords. And with the Beatles, they'll tell you the proper chords, but what they don't tell you is that the, those rotters slowed the track down sort of half as, half of a half of a step so that nobody years later could play along with it without messing about with the tuning on the guitar or tweaking something on Audacity. So... It's easily remedied once you get used to it. You haven't done anything wrong, Mason. It's nothing to do with your with your tuning. Um, well, I'm assuming it isn't, but uh, it's nothing to do with your tuning. It's to do with the fact that sometimes, and also sometimes as well, back then, before the days of electronic tuners, everybody tuned to the piano in the room. So they would tune to the piano or they would tune in with each other and just make sure the guitars were in tune, but they weren't in tune in as much as... You know, um, standard tuning. Um, if the piano was half of a half of a step out, because it had been sitting around for six months, everyone would just tune to that and then go to work. So there are a lot of songs that, um, that... I mean, you see the Beatles at Shea Stadium. They walk out and they're just looking at each other and all playing a note and just sort of tuning their guitars as close as they could get to it. No no electronic stuff going on. No, no racks of um, effects behind them. Um, so very much all done by ear um and um that's why sometimes their ear was or or they they tuned somewhere just in between or they tuned to the piano in the studio and the piano was slightly out or they'd recorded the song um or they'd slowed the song down a tiny bit or speeded it up a tiny bit and they were stuck between two frets that's how it happens sometimes mason and it's annoying uh, for us mere mortals who have to work it all out later on but that's that's kind of what what it is so you haven't done anything wrong mate just learn how to use audacity and how to tweak it um, with the pitch setting and then you'll be fine and let me know how you get on all right (laughs) grassroots music uk in association with innovation studios presents the ultimate one-day workshop for songwriters advice and analysis on songwriting techniques and methods How songs are created, structured, recorded and produced. Tuition, analysis and guidance on how to make a great sounding album on a bedroom budget using recording software and digital audio workstation. Learn how effects and plugins work and the most effective way to use them. Mixing and mastering to CD, WAV and MP3. Adding album artwork, tags and songwriter info. Where to have your mastered CD copied in bulk for selling at your shows. How to upload your music to iTunes and digital media. Online radio stations and how to submit your music for airplay. Advice on venues, promotions, showcases and open mic nights in the area. To book a place to be added to the waiting list, please call 01702 836649 836 649 or email innovationstudiosuk at gmail.com. OK, Amy, A-I-M-E-E, with an apostrophe over the E. Hello, Amy. Hi, Marcus. My husband teases me about the size of my handbag, but I just wondered, how has technology over the years shrunk your travel bag? A <laughs> brilliant question. What a brilliant question. Um, I talked about this before. Uh, that's brilliant. That's tickled me, that's. Um Yeah. It's, um, well, you know, years ago, um, we, we sometimes the Oasis boys or the waterwall boys might be away for a few nights, maybe two or three nights at a time. We were, It's only in subsequent years when I've been on tour, um, working with um, Great Days, who are up in Cheshire, um, and um, working with Cheryl and, and putting the Innovation um, Duo shows together, you know, the Broadway tour and things like that for them that we've been away for maybe seven or eight days at a time. Um Sometimes the tours would be as long as that, but usually there was like a, a point in it where you would play a show that was near enough to home to come home and have your own bed and get back there. So um I think technology's made a massive difference. If we were going away, so let's go back 25 years, if we were going away for maybe a week then on tour, apart from let's just, just assume that all the amps and the guitars are not part of this because they're just they're just on the van. Um, you would try to you know because you didn't have um, everything on your phone because phones then I mean if they weren't a house brick then they were a a Lego brick that had pretty much nothing on it and I think texts have only been around since about 1998 I think before then it was all phone calls so so we we would be on tour maybe ninety three ninety four somewhere around then. Um, and uh, it might be away for maybe six nights at a time and then come back and uh, play a show locally, go home that night, get your own bed, spend the day at home, travel off to the next gig. So things like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was like a travel bag. And apart from your obvious stuff, your toiletries, you know, your toothbrushes and your hair, the airbrushes and uh, you know the obvious stuff um it was it was like usually a couple of books to read but but the books weren't read in the van because i mean some of the boys would listen to to books in a van but we couldn't um i couldn't do that it used to make me feel a bit rough um and you've maybe put the tape players you could you could take so you so you'd have uh, your, your bag with probably uh, either a portable cd player with your headphones um, because it weren't, weren't any MP3. So a portable CD player, maybe a stack of CDs, um, or, you know, your portable tape player, your Walkman with your cassettes on, with a stack of cassettes to listen to. Um, and then you had sort of two or three books that you might take with you. you take your diary with you because, you know, the phone rang while you were away. You'd, you'd need to take some phone calls. Obviously, your toiletries would be in, in there. You'd have your your changes of underwear, and then you'd have your stage wear, a couple of shirts, a couple of the jackets you were wearing, change of shoes. Um, but you weren't sort of going out much because you were away working. So it wasn't like going on holiday where you'd you would you'd need clothes for the evening and clothes for the day. You'd, a lot of the time, um, away from it, I, I kind of would slam it in a pair of jogging bottoms and then get my jeans on for the show. So it's—we—we um, we, we, we travelled as lightly as we could. But yeah, I agree with you, um, Amy, that technology's changed a lot of things. These days you can take your phone, and on your phone you can watch a film, you can listen to music, you can go online, you can read a book with the Kindle app, or you can take a Kindle with you that's got everything. You can take an iPad with you, you can get online, you can watch movies, you can watch TV, you can do everything. So once that's in your bag, it's kind of an all-round thing. But back then, you know, you'd have to take a couple of books because you get back sometimes, you might be wired after a show, might have been a good one that night, and you go back, you're dripping in sweat, you have a shower... Uh, lay on the bed, thinking, you know, and, and you can't sleep. So couldn't play on your phone, couldn't look on Facebook and and Google and and look up YouTube. Um, As a case of picking up maybe a an autobiography or just something that you're reading at that time. And, and many many books that I would start that I never finished um, because I would take them away for a week and then never uh, never finish them. Come back and think, well, that, you know, I'll have to have to finish that. Um, but yeah, technology has shrunk. Um, the size of my travel bag and also the size of the equipment in the van now because we were able to get so much more out of smaller uh, speakers and more manageable things. When we started, it was bass bins and huge, great speakers and 15-inch speakers and could hardly took two of you to lift them up onto the stands. And these days, you you can pretty much... We've got the same amount of sound, the same amount of... um, Energy, the same everything that we want from probably half the size of that gear um, and also technology in terms of you know we don't necessarily always need mini discs and uh, and huge great CD players to, to play our tracks through or, or MIDI players as it used to be sort of 25 30 years ago when they were when they were the, bit, the big, big thing so we can do it all from our phone we can play our tracks on our phone we can use our phone to stream the show if we want it is it is ridiculous, and I know they said it at the, at the turn of, of you know the century before, in the eighteen hundreds into the nineteen hundreds, and they said that never before had things moved on so much. But I, I honestly believe, I don't think anything has ever moved faster than the technology has moved in the last twenty five years. We've gone from, uh, or certainly the last, let's say the last thirty years, we've gone from you know four channels five channels to 250 300 channels we've gone from on demand we all of these things that you have and we've gone to flat screen TVs and we've got and the other thing as well was sometimes uh, maybe a portable DVD player probably around the uh, around the sort of late 90s you might have a portable DVD player but even then pack loads of DVDs um, these days you load it on mp4 quality stick it on your phone show your mate something i don't think anybody watches films anymore i think most people watch youtube or tiktok or things like that so nobody really does that anymore but yeah i mean it wasn't really my obvious stuff because the shirts and the and the jeans and the shoes and that would, would kind of hang up in the back of the van but it was the stuff that i would take to travel with um these days i pick up You know, underwear hasn't changed much, Uh, and I don't mean in terms of, I mean, I've obviously bought new since 1992, although people would disagree with that, but I promise you I have. Um, It would be just the obvious things. I now just take my phone, and from my phone I can read books and listen to music and watch films and watch YouTube and chat to people and make phone calls and text people, etc. Back then... I'd sit in the back of the van and write a postcard to somebody, like, have, having a really great time, wish you 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 know, wish you were here, it's lovely and sunny. You know, write a couple of postcards, and stick them in a the post, you know, write right to uh, Uncle Norman and Joy, just to let them know that uh, the tour was going well. And these days, you fire off a text message, hi, got here safely, and um, maybe give me mum three rings if she wasn't on the tour, just to let her know I was back at the hotel, because I didn't want to ring her and talk to her. Three rings, yeah, Peter Kay says about it, and... Uh, yeah, I've done it, three rings, let me know you're there. And then they pick up on the second ring, and you go, oh, you know. Um, So a lot has changed, but uh, my travel bag really is my phone, a change of underwear these days. Um, Sometimes sometimes the odd book just to take me away from the screen, but, yeah, it's, it's made a massive, massive difference, Amy. Absolutely massive. I'm going to finish with this question from Casey, who says, ME6, which I'm assuming is Maidstone, just on the outskirts of maidstone hi marcus i caught your show monday and i just wondered how did you add reverb and effects to your live stream um yeah i mean a, a lot of what i've seen and i only went by what i'd seen a lot of what i'd seen was recorded um just with a pa speaker or something in the background and then people used their phones um to to record it and to stream it live i used a pc um my, my uh, recording one that's in the studio. Um, and what I did, Casey, was... Because I only used one microphone in front of me because I was acoustic and vocal and I, I didn't want to overload it by having too much going through. So what I did was to put a microphone in front of me, nice and loud, so it picked up everything. Um, and then I, I ran that microphone through a, um, a Mackie FX4. Which is uh, just a mixer, and then I added the added the reverb on the mixer, and then from the mixer I took just the mono signal out and put that into my audio box, which is my sound card for my PC. And then when I streamed the show live, I used the webcam that I've got on top of the TV here, and I used um, my audio box USB ninety six as the sound source. So what you were getting was my guitar and my mic uh, and my voice through a microphone in front of me, through a mixing desk that then I added reverb and EQ to, and then a mono from that straight into the um, live stream, straight into the audio box and straight into the live stream. So I was able to do um, whatever I wanted with from from that. It was like a mon- monitor output. Um, not everybody has that that effect. And to be honest, I've seen a lot of great shows with, from people just streaming from with their phone in the corner of the room. So it was only my personal preference i'm hoping that i'll learn a bit more about it so that um i'll be able to um sort of add a bit more to it maybe even use a couple of tracks here and there or maybe use my looper pedals which in you know hoping i'll be able to use the left and right but i always worry that if i'm throwing too much through there's there's more that can go wrong i i I just tried and on Monday it worked and I I hope you enjoyed the show because I really, really enjoyed doing it, as I said at the start, for about seven minutes. Um, And uh, yeah, it was. so that's all it was. I just put it through a mixer first and then from the mixer I then took the signal because usually I plug the mic straight into my sound card. But in this case, I ran it through the mixer first. Um, And I'm hoping that I'll be able to put other things through the mixer and um, maybe somewhere along the line do uh you know a, 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 well I'll definitely be playing a few more shows but maybe do something a little bit more involved with the loop pedals or something like that but that's all it was um that's all it was Casey it wasn't it's not rocket science and uh if you need any advice or if you if you're doing one yourself let me know what it is and I'll link it for you but um yeah just by all means email me and I'll give you as much advice as I can um, I'm going to love you and leave you with that, but I've got some exciting things coming up over the next few weeks. I've got a few more weeks of Q and A because I still got a few questions I've got to get through. But um, for a six-week period, um, probably towards the um, where are we? Probably towards the end of April, I'll be running um, probably a six-week podcast which is going to be called the One Question Podcast because I've got I've been asked a few questions where it's going to be you know a long answer. For instance, I've been asked, why is music so important? Right, so there you go. That's 45 minutes straight away. So I'll be talking about, that'll be probably week one. I've been asked about um, how do I compress my, how do I get my my entire CD collection onto my PC or onto my iPod? What's the best quality to use? How does MP3 work? Um, So I'm going to go into into detail on that one so when you because obviously when you compress something it's not as good and i'll be hopefully talking about what you lose the quality that you use and the different formats the flak the wav files the mp3s talking about that and i've been asked a few questions like that um how do harmonies work i've been asked about uh, why why are acoustic guitars so important and these are kind of one question podcasts so i'm going to do them probably towards the end of april but at the moment um thanks to you lovely people i've still got a few questions i've got to get through um and so thanks to mason thanks to casey thanks to amy thanks to gaz um and thanks to derek for your questions today i don't think i missed anybody out there if i did i'm sorry i'll be back next week for another q a which i believe will be week 15 um but there we are until I, until i chat to you then please stay in touch please stay healthy please stay sane and um don't forget www.innovationstudios.com that's the website if you want to send me an email with a question it's innovationstudiosuk at gmail.com don't forget the grassroots uk youtube channel and also um, that i'll probably be streaming a few shows on the facebook pages um, and the Instagram and stuff like that just to let you know what I'm performing next and if I'm performing. I hope to do something with the matching stuff because that album will be ready soon for release. So if I can do something with that, that will be great. In the meantime, a pleasure as always answering your questions. I hope you got what you wanted and I will see you all soon. Yours in Music signing off. Bye-bye for now.